Welcome to episode 123 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Anne and Michelle. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Anne and Michelle, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Today I want to talk about dreams. Well, not so much talk about it. We've got contributions from several of you that uh, will make up the episode. It's going to be a little different than usual. No discussion. Uh, Just uh, straightforward and uh, generous sharing. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of dreams. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I'll be joined electronically by Jane, Akila, Pat, and Brooke, and Thank, to, thank you to all of you who contributed. So, what what are dreams, and how what are Al-Anon dreams in particular? Since that's sort of what we're talking about here. And I thought I had an idea what I meant by Al-Anon dreams when I asked you to contribute. And your responses indicate that, as usual, my idea was much narrower than the reality. And so, here's the sorts of things that, that I have heard in, in your sharing and, and sort of categorizing, I guess, uh, what, what Al-Anon dreams might be about in, uh, in general, broad and very much overlapping categories. And one of the things that I have experienced myself in my dreams that I would call Al-Anon dreams and that I heard from some of you is, reliving scenes from the past that still have some sort of a hold on us. Uh, and another one, working through fears of things that might happen or things that have happened and we don't want them to happen again. Uh, a third area in which we dream is sort of living a, a, a wished-for experience, something that we want to have happen but is not happening in our lives. But in a dream we can experience that thing that we're wishing, wishing for. Uh, and it may, I know in, in, in my dreams in general, um, I experience things that I, don't, I would not want to have happen in real life, but seem quite desirable in the dream, which is a little odd. But there it is. And in general, I think dreams are a way of taking our fears and our desires and making them concrete, putting us into a, a world, an imagined world, but it seems very real at the time, in which those those things that we desire or those things that we fear become real, and maybe not exactly in the way that we're fearing them, but in a way that allows us to understand maybe what what it is that that we're having issues with that we're fearing or that we're wanting. So I want you, uh, I'm going to play the, uh, the contributions and talk about my dreams and then play the other contributions without comment. I suggest that 
you might ask yourself these questions as you're listening. How are you connecting with what we're sharing? Have you ever had dreams like these? And how has your dreaming changed in recovery? Because at least a few of us uh, have experienced a change as we've been in recovery in some of the kinds of dreams that we have. So when I started thinking about this episode, um, I thought about dreams that I had had that were very specifically related to my loved one's drinking and my reaction to it and my fears about relapse um, or my hope for recovery. I think um, I have to think back a few years because it's been almost 10 years that, that my loved one has been in her own recovery. But uh, I'm pretty sure that I also had dreams where she wasn't drinking um, before she stopped. So anyway, the, um, the, the dream that sort of sticks in my head, and this is a, uh, a composite of a number of dreams, I think, is we will be out together, maybe at a party, at a restaurant, with, maybe with other people, and all of a sudden I notice that she's drinking. And sometimes in the dream, at first I think, oh, well, that's okay. You know, she's, she's not alcoholic anymore. And then all of a sudden I have this, I have this realization that, wait, this is not okay. This is really bad. This is not supposed to happen. And, and then I will react. Um, I get this fear sensation. Sometimes it just wakes me right up. And just so, so fearful, uh, sort of like a falling dream, you know, where you wake up before you hit the ground. I wake up before the impact of, of this apparent relapse hits me and I'll wake up and sort of short of breath and my heart pounding and realize that, oh, it was just a dream. Thank God. Um, so that's that's sort of the the outline of of the drinking dream. Sometimes, sometimes I say, um, you know, you you shouldn't be doing that, or something like that, and she'll say, oh, it's it's okay, I can have one, or she'll say, oh, whoops, I'm not supposed to do that, uh, which is a a different kind of a resolution. I don't think I ever had that sort of a resolution before. She actually found some long term sobriety. I'm pretty sure that, that before she found her sobriety that I would have dreams where she wasn't drinking or where her drinking wasn't a problem. And I don't remember those in detail because, as I say, it was quite some years ago. So if you connect with any of those dream experiences, either of those dream experiences, I'd like to hear from you and we'll, we'll share your connection in, in a future episode. So now I want to play the uh, the voicemails or the uh, the conversations that I had with uh, from from some of you and with some of you. Let's start with Jane. Hi, I'm Jane, and in the episode "Life on Life's Terms," you asked if anyone had any Al-Anon dreams. Well, how about if I tell you about a dream I've been having for years and years? And you decide if it's an Al-Anon-related one. 
In my recurring dream, the details change, but the main storyline of the dream is this. I'm in a car. The car is moving fast. This is notable because there is no one at the wheel. In the dream, I don't stop to think about how the car is moving if there is no one to step on the gas, no one who started the car. I'm just concentrating on keeping the car and myself out of a crash, which is hard to do because I can't reach the gas or the brakes because I'm stuck in the back seat. So I'm hurtling along, trying to avoid obstacles, a menace to everyone else on the road, and in a really uncomfortable position, hanging over the seat, clinging for dear life to the steering wheel. And then I wake up. I guess it's good that I wake up before I crash, but just once I'd like to dream that I can reach the brakes and stop the car. What do you think? Does this dream have anything to do with Al-Anon related issues? In a weird coincidence, I haven't had this dream since I started coming to Al-Anon meetings. So thanks for letting me share. Bye. Thank you, Jane. And now, um, Akila also uh, shared a voicemail with us about dreams. Hey, Spencer. It's Akila. I was calling about the um, the dream question that you posed. And I just wanted to say that I did used to have a lot of dreams before I got in the program. Um, most of mine were not related to alcoholism, but rather the effect, of course, was with giving other people control of my life. And so the frequent one was that my daughter was driving us everywhere. And I was sitting in the back seat, and she wouldn't listen to me, and I had no control. The other one was that I would roller skate everywhere. Um, I would have these dreams. I would just be constantly roller skating. And those stopped once I got in the program. Um, and I would say the most, one of the big changes in my life that came from entering Al-Anon and starting the recovery work is that I slept so much better because I stopped worrying so much about things I couldn't control. I used to wake up in the middle of the night and make these huge lists of things that I had to do. I made these huge lists of what was on my mind, and that stopped. Um, all right. I look forward to the show. Thanks. Bye. And thank you so much, Akila. And uh, another voicemail from Pat. Good morning, Spencer. This is Pat from the West Coast um, calling about your request for Al-Anon Dreams. And shortly before I got into recovery, when my relationship with my loved one was at its very worst, I had terrifying dreams about spiders. And the worst uh, was walking down a boulevard with trees on either side, and there were these huge spiders overhead that were that were spinning these webs. And ultimately, they got closer and closer to me, and I ended up trapped on the ground underneath these enormous webs. It was, it was simply terrifying. Um, about two years into recovery, I had another spider dream, and I had had them over time. And in that one, the grass was green, and I was, you know, kind of magically looking down, and there's this little spider down there doing something. And I got down looking at it really close, and it just went back in its hole, and that was it. And that's the last spider dream I've had. So that exemplifies recovery to me completely. Um, it put things, I think it, it um, everything was put in perspective. All these issues became um, balanced, something I could manage. They were manageable and they weren't overwhelming and, and so painful and frightening. So there, that's my recovery dream. Have a great week. 
Talk to you later. Bye-bye. And Brooke and I had a conversation where she related some of her dreams. You know, my husband always tells me that he wakes up and it, with these nightmares about that he's drinking. Mm-hmm. I was hard for me to relate, but I guess in the past month, I've been having very um, emotionally charged dreams. Mm-hmm. I... I have a dream a lot where I've had to take a medical leave from work this summer. One of the things that, you know, you have to do before you can go back is the doctor has to release you to go back. Mm-hmm. And I often have dreams that I'm there, but the doctor hasn't given me the letter to release me to go back. But yet somehow I'm in, in the office. Mm-hmm. I'm in the office and I'm not supposed to be there and I'm doing things wrong. And I came back uh, from the medical leave early because I was afraid that I would lose my job, but, but I wasn't doing a good job anyway. And in these dreams, like usually my, my boss is, um, I don't know, it seemed, you know, either dismissing me or reprimanding for making some mistake or, or and doing this, you know, we sit in an open floor and doing this on, on the floor. And it's a very disturbing dream, and I've had it very frequently the last few weeks. And, yeah, that's, that's one Al-Anon dream I, I have a lot now. And I think that I've discussed this, you know, with my therapist, and she was saying that the dismissal of my boss could somehow be related to how my parents just dismissed me when I was a kid or would ridicule me when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But I I now, you know, I now I understand when my husband says I had this dream and I was drinking and it was so awful and it felt so real because I I have those, these, the same things now. I had another one too. I, I was actually so disrupted by it that I try, I wrote it down when I woke up because I was so, uh, like it was so disruptive, mm-hmm. but I dreamt that my best friend's father had died suddenly, and somehow we were both all my friends, or these had been friends of mine when I was younger. We were all on a beach vacation, and she came one day to the beach vacation with us, but then had to leave suddenly to go to the funeral. And mm-hmm. people who she was no longer friends with were ones that were like consoling her the most. And then in the middle of her having to leave, she said that she didn't want to go to the funeral because she didn't want to pretend that she had a perfect family. Mm-hmm. And in, in this, like, this is a person who I always look at and think has, has an ideal life. So this is what's going on in my dream versus how I feel in daily life. And when she said this and she talked about it a little bit, I dreamt that her father was was a cheater on her mother and a drinker and a marijuana smoker. And that that was why she didn't I mean this is like that's why she didn't want to go go to the um funeral. I guess the dream sort of comes to conclusion where she is saying how she doesn't, you know, want to go. And the doctor told her father that he had to stop drinking or he was going to get very, very sick and he wasn't going to stop drinking. And we all were trying to give her support. We were saying it was okay not to go to the funeral because you would be perpetuating a lie saying the family was perfect, even though it wasn't. Mm -hmm. 
and that in this dream I kept I was talking about my own family. I just kept forcing myself to get up, but I couldn't get up from this dream. Oh, oh, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're saying to yourself, oh, this is just a dream, it's okay. Yeah. But then you pick it up and you're like, yeah. Clearly having this dream about my very close friend who seems to have everything all in check, it's probably, that's actually my family. My family is a family that's not perfect. And, you know, my dad is an alcoholic and he's a dry drunk. And yeah, so these dreams are pretty strong. And uncomfortable. Um, well, I think for me, the dreams are like, like, I think the dream at work is, is my fear being manifested about going back to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think my work situation or the environment there was recreating my childhood in a way. And so I was having a lot of trauma dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that dream is, you know, I feel like I'm a lot better with with the program and the things that I've been doing. But it, it's it it's that like underlying fear that when I go back, things will just be the same. Like lots of times in these dreams, I just go back to my desk yeah. feeling totally defeated and you know uncomfortable and uneasy and um, without self esteem. And I think that would happen to me a lot when I was a child with my friends or with my parents. And then I see it recreated in my dream. So I guess I might ask, like, how how you see, you know, your work in the program as having changed that for you in your waking life even though you're still sort of processing it in your dream life. Does that make sense? Well, I guess it's difficult right now because I'm not working, but I really feel like, I mean, I've done a lot of more recovery work because I haven't been working. And I feel as though, because, you know, even though I'm not working, I still have the phone and, and, and the black, the emails, and I check yeah. those. So I do get, you know, some passing uh, fears and anxiety, but I guess now I just really take the time to stop and pause. Mm-hmm. Like I was in a meeting the other day and someone said, um, wait 10 seconds, get additional information and then think how important is it? Yeah. I've been thinking about that. So when, when something comes up and I have to attend to something with work or with the doctors, I, I think to myself, do I really have time to do this right now or am I just rushing? And if I don't have time to, you know, even if I don't have 10 minutes to thoroughly sit down and complete the task, then I just don't do it. And I wait and I wait. And I guess the anxiety and the uneasiness that comes from that used to be from waiting and having to do things right away is slowly subsiding. Mm hmm. And so I'm hoping that when I go back to work, the same, you know, I'll be able to apply the same, the same tools that I can just, you know, calm down and wait and, you know, do things when I have time. Hey, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Thank you, Brooke. I'm going to close this segment of the show picked out some music 
about dreams, the first song that I picked, which really, for me, relates to, I think, my relapse dreams and, and probably some of the dreams that uh, Jane, Pat, Akila, and Brooke related. It's by John Mayer. It's titled Dreaming with a Broken Heart. And you can listen to these music selections on our website at therecoveryshow.com slash 123. That's 123. I got some lyrics here. When you're dreaming with a broken heart, the waking up is the hardest part. You roll out of bed and down on your knees, and for a moment you can hardly breathe. And I have had those waking ups with a slightly different reason, but that rolling out of bed and down on your knees and for a moment you can hardly breathe experience just I have felt that and uh, maybe you have too in this section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week and since I'm here by myself I guess we just get to hear about my week Um, and uh you know, it's been a it's been a, a mixed sort of a week. We, uh, as as I related, I think in last week's episode, work had been very busy. We had a deadline on Monday, uh, the twenty fourth, that had this reward attached to it, and we made the deadline. Yay! Um, <laughs> through the through the combined work of a lot of people. But one of the things, and I, I think, again, I talked about this last week, was making this decision to not take my Friday vacation day, but instead to come to work so that I could do my part towards this joint effort of, of reaching this deadline of, of accomplishing the task that we had set out to accomplish. But I didn't lose the vacation day. I, uh, I took the vacation day uh, as uh, a Monday in fact, I'm recording this on Monday a week later, and uh, and I took vacation today, and I also took vacation on Friday. So I did have time in my life to just be rather than, than doing, and Friday was a very nice day for that. Today was more, more errand-oriented, but they were things that I wanted to do that brought some resolution to some problems. Not huge problems, but brought some resolution to some problems and gave me a sense of accomplishment. Thinking about meetings, um, went to Sunday night meeting last night. We had um, a first step. We had a first step because we had a person who was new to Al-Anon. And, and in that meeting, that's our tradition, is to talk about the first step and about our experiences that brought us to Al-Anon and what we found in, in the program. So there was a new person at the table, and I always... The first thing I wonder when there's a new person is, well, okay, so why, what brought them here? And it's just curiosity. It's um, idle curiosity, but also a um, little bit of codependence there because I want to say something that will speak to their experience. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that. Um, and uh, I really couldn't 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 tell ahead of time, so I just talked about my experience and brought me to the program, what I found here, and and how this program has helped me in um, dealing with some things outside of, of alcoholism in, in particular, but 
that had a similar effect on me emotionally. Um, Saturday morning, my step meeting, um, I think we were on step two. I forget. But what we had a, a group conscience meeting after the meeting, which that, that meeting does a group conscience about every three months. And it's a, it's a fairly healthy meeting. Uh, and I stayed for the group conscience, and I brought up a question that I had been thinking about for a while, which was, well, a suggestion, I guess, that maybe we could try also going through the traditions. And that, that sparked some lively conversation about, well, are there other, there were, there were questions like, are there other meetings in the area that do the traditions? You know, you want to, you want to know what, what the experience is of people maybe who've been to a meeting that has traditions in it. Um, and I was able to relate a couple of meetings that I've been to, into that they do the traditions regularly, talk about them regularly. And then another person spoke up who uh, is what we often term a double winner. In other words, they're in, uh, in another program as well and said in that program, there's a, that is a thing that happens, that there are meetings that focus particularly on the steps and traditions. And in this person's experience, it's a very powerful thing to do. So what we decided was that pending the next group conscience and a chance for other people who were not at this one to uh, contribute their thoughts and ideas to the uh, to the group conscience, that we would designate one Saturday each month that one table would focus on a tradition and the other table would do the, whatever the step of the week is. And we would try that for a, few, a couple of months, and then we would have another group conscience and sort of see how that felt and whether maybe we would like to actually do effectively a 12 and 12 experience, if you're familiar with that terminology, where we go through the 12 steps in order, and then we go through the 12 traditions in order, which there were definitely some people in favor of that. And there were some other people who were very hesitant about that. And so finding this intermediate position where we try it on a limited basis and see whether it's working or not, uh, seemed like a, a good outcome. And I also felt felt good for having spoken up. And it was something I've been thinking about for a while and not saying anything about, and, and I was able to, to speak up and say, hey, let's, let's try this thing, and got a, a pretty positive response. So it was a good experience and um, um, good, um, a good example of how I think the, uh, the traditions actually work in our meetings. Okay, so what topics are coming up? I know that um, I'm going to talk about a couple more concepts of service sometime in September. Um, there was a request from a listener in last week's episode for your experience with intervention. If you have staged an intervention, if you've been part of an intervention, um, would love for you to share your experience because I have no experience in this person who wrote in is thinking about putting together an intervention for their son who is pretty deeply uh, enmeshed in his addiction. If you've got experience with interventions, uh, let us know and maybe we can make an episode about that as well. So if you want to send feedback, if you want to share your voice in this conversation, this community of recovery, call and leave us a voicemail at area code 734-707-8795. 
Call right now, 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of dreams or any of our potential upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can find all the information about the show at our website, which is therecoveryshow.com. And before we look at the mailbag, the second musical selection is Aerosmith with Dream On. And these uh, lyrics, every time that I look in the mirror, all these lines in my face getting clearer. The past is gone. It went by like dusk to dawn. And to me, this reflects the ways in which dreams pull our past in to our present, but we can remember that it really is in the past. here. Patty wrote, Hi Spencer. Wow, for about a week now I've been listening my way through the podcast episodes. Yesterday I binge listened to I think five in a row. And when I look at the list I'm really looking forward to some of the topics I haven't heard yet. What an excellent podcast and what an eye-opener to learn more and more about the program. I got to this point via a kind of funny route. I had no awareness of how the alcoholics and addicts in my life may have affected me until now, and I only started reading Courage to Change because my favorite 87-year-old aunt recommended it. But as I read it, I recognized that there was something there I desperately needed. I honestly didn't even think I had a qualifier, although it's gradually becoming clearer to me that I do. But it just made so much sense, and I started feeling less crazy just reading that book. The Recovery Show was my next discovery, and I really appreciate it. There's something very special about the real voices of real people talking about this stuff. The words that keep coming to mind are courage, honesty, kindness. I find it very moving at times. I appreciate your voice and what you share very much, and your guests as well, every one of them. I have yet to attend a meeting, but I hope to very soon. Last but not least, I had a little suggestion. You've mentioned that it can be difficult to find the time to get the podcast done. I wondered if you might be able to delegate some of it to a helper, if you could find the right person. I used to work for a woman who had a podcast. She would record everything, then send me the files with specific instructions, and I'd do the editing. I wasn't an audio pro or anything, but it didn't take that long to learn. Just a thought, anyway. So, a very big thank you. I feel less alone and more hopeful already. Best, Patty. And and thanks, Patty, um, both for the words of encouragement and for sharing your experience of sort of a gradual awakening to the program. Um, I will suggest that the voices of real people talking about real situations uh, are also present in the face-to-face meetings that uh, I encourage you to attend um, a face-to-face meeting. And and thanks also for the suggestion about asking for help. Um, and where I find the difficulty getting time is unfortunately not in the editing, but in the actual recording. And it's kind of hard to turn that over to somebody else, but I should really think about ways in which um, other people might be able to uh, support this effort uh, more directly. So thanks. Thanks for that. Another note here. I'm 52 years old and have lived with active addiction my entire adult life. 
I married at 16, had three babies at 21. Little did I know the years that followed would be filled with bouts of alcoholism, heroin addiction, and many consequences that come with active addiction. My husband would battle years of addiction, and later our three sons would also battle addiction, alcohol and heroin, broken marriages, prison time, etc. I tried Al-Anon many years ago, but dropped out, only to sink deeper into my own sickness of codependency. I returned to Al-Anon in May of 2014 and have embraced the program since. I do not work a perfect program, but I am healthier than I have ever been. I attend meetings, read literature, and listen to the podcast. I listen to the podcast on a regular basis. It is interesting to hear you talk about your relationship with your wife, understanding exactly what you're talking about. You recently had a guest that shared his story on worrying about his alcoholic wife and his children while he was at work and always wondering what he would come home to. I thought, boy, do I know that feeling. My story is long and sometimes complicated. Due to the addiction of our middle son, now 32, my husband and I have custody of two of our seven grandchildren. We have raised them as our own children since they were one and two years old, and now they are 11 and 12. They have been exposed to much of the chaos of the alcoholic home. You mentioned on the podcast you would like to put together a show on the non-alcoholic parent. I would love to participate in that. I've finally got enough program in me that I can stand up for myself and draw meaningful boundaries. My husband moved out for six weeks following his last binge and recently moved back into our home. I refuse to live with active alcoholism again. I've been married 36 years this month. I love my husband very much and desire to grow old with him, but I will not sacrifice my serenity or the well-being of the two children God has entrusted me with by living with an active alcoholic. All three of our sons still struggle in their personal addictions to alcohol, albeit at different stages. I'm committed to working my program for me. I'm so grateful I stumbled across your podcast. I share it with many of my friends in the program. Anything I can do to help with email, phone message, or as your co-host on a program, I would be willing to do. Blessing to you, blessing to all who are still suffering, and blessing to those that have found the help of their higher power to live with this terrible family disease of addiction. Bonnie. And wow, thanks, Bonnie, for that. That is really very powerful, and and you clearly have a lot of experience to to share. Um, I will be getting in touch with you. And I got this uh, forwarded email from Jester. Today's thought from Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation. Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all others' thoughts are drained. Uh, that's a quote from Arthur Summers Roche. And the email continues, A trickle of water that drains down the side of a hill poses no problem to the hill, its vegetation, or the people living in the valley. But if that trickle grows into a stream, the water will erode a path carrying along plants, rocks, and soil, endangering the lives and property of the people in the valley. When a worry nags us, it is like that trickle. It poses little threat to us and can be stopped at any time because it is so small. But if we let more worrisome thoughts feed into the stream, we will allow it to grow until all of our thoughts and energy are focused on one worry that has attained great power. We all have things we worry about, but we don't have to give these worries more than passing acknowledgement. The trickles that run through our minds are okay to have, but to keep them at that size, we need to remember what is important to us at this very moment. We don't need to let the worries grow. I have worries just like everyone else. However, I don't have to dwell upon my worries or make them any bigger than what they are. That's a thought for the day from Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation. So I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank those who supported us using the donation button. And thanks to Anne and Michelle this week and to many of you over the last 
many episodes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of you for your support in whatever form you give it, which might be recommending the podcast to your friends or just listening. We are here for you. And the last song selection that I chose is by Imagine Dragon. It's called Dream. And here's some lyrics. We are all living in a dream, but life ain't what it seems. Oh, everything's a mess, and all these sorrows I have seen, they lead me to believe that everything's a mess. But I want a dream. I want a dream. Leave me to dream. That's a, a different side of dreaming. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem we are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.